We're going to start in Exodus chapter 6, if you want to turn your, your Bibles there in the story of Moses. Um, but I don't know how you guys like when you read the Bible, how you get time, but I think we can read. It's funny how we can, like, really underestimate how much time goes by in the Bible. For example, between Exodus 1, chapter 7 and Exodus 1, chapter 8 is 400 years. Right, shook, right? Like, who in here has been praying for something since like 1618? None of you. So, hold on in there, right? But that's a long time. We underestimate that. And then, even with Moses as an infant, we see him kind of going down the Nile River as an infant. But he's not, it's not until he's 80 years old that he even approaches Pharaoh to like let the people go. So, it's another 480 years. And, it, and all this time, like, I think we can read the Bible and look at it like, oh, that was verse one, that was verse two, that must happen in 20 minutes. Like, there's so much time that happens in the scriptures, and I think we can really learn a lot from it. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 6. I'm going verses 5 through 8. It says, Moreover, I have heard the drowning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. This is the Lord speaking. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for, the, for your possession I am the Lord. And in these three short verses, the Lord says, I will, seven times. Like, he makes the focus so much about him. He makes what he's capable of. He talks about what he, not might do or could do, but what he will do. He's like, all these promises that he, that he will do. And most, most of the time, like, when I look at the scripture, again, time, underestimate, like, they knew these promises, but they didn't know how long it would take for that to happen. It would take years for that to happen. And most of us don't like waiting an hour or something. <laughs> most of us are so like, so caught up on things being quick, right? Like who has Amazon Prime two-day shipping? I see you, yeah. I see you, we just had to cancel it for money reasons, but you know, had it. I like no line, no wait, you can just show up at Chick-fil-A and they have your order ready and you're like, oh, they love me. You know what I mean? Like everything is so fast-paced. Um, and we've adopted rushing as an expectation. Like we expect Quick, quickness, and when we don't have it, it's more of like an unmet expectation. Like, if we're disappointed if we order Chipotle online and we get there, it's actually not ready. Like, we're like, wait, I have to wait. Like, so waiting is not our thing. Um, and, you know, it creates this gap where we have these expectations, then there's reality. And that gap between where we have expectations and reality, um, whether that's you didn't get the grade you wanted, or whether that's you like that boy, but he likes her, because we know that happens sometimes. Um, or you don't feel like you have the friendships you deserve. You know, it's hard to feel like, wow, I really get to have an extraordinary life in those gaps, you know, in those gaps of unmet realities. And in that gap, our ordinary shows. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. How our ordinary, combined with the extraordinariness of God, really does make something special. In that gap, we're impatient, we're rude, we're faithless. We're impure. Sometimes we're just mad. You know what I mean? When we don't get what we want, when we want it, we get really upset with God. And, and I think I'm even learning that God has not adjusted himself to my time or my preferences or what I would prefer. You know, he's, he's God. And 
He still expects me, an ordinary girl from a single parent home who lost her scholarship the first year of college because she partied too much, to follow him on an extraordinary journey. He still hasn't changed because the standard is still, he will. He still will, even though I can't, even though I don't always measure up. And I think if I'm honest, and I've, I've struggled with this, who in here has ever thought like, okay, because someone is a leader in a church and in one way, shape, or form, they must have, they must be super spiritual. Like they must have it together. Things must work out for them. That's a lie, okay? So I remember one time, this was like maybe two years ago, I was in a D group and I had just pulled in a girl to one of my D groups. And it was a girl that I've been with for about a year. So we're all together now. And the girl I've been with for a while was like, so how was your week? And I was like, honestly, it's been really hard. Like I was sharing my faith with this girl and she kind of got like offensive with me and so really hurt my feelings and this happened and I was praying about this but stuff happened with my mom. And I just kind of spilled my guts. And the other girl was like, <laughs> what? Like, and she literally was like, I would have never, I, I don't remember the word verbatim, but she was like, I would have never thought that you had bad days spiritually. But she was just like, I just, I just assumed that, you know, when you showed your faith, people came and that when you, and I was like, no, <laughs> that is not the case. You know, I'm very ordinary. Um, and I'll share some specifics. You know, my stomach still hurts every time I'm about to show my faith. Every time. And so that's what I do. I'm a full-time minister. <sighs> My stomach hurts a lot. And so there's this time recently where my husband, you know, we were talking about the state. This has happened multiple times in our marriage where he's like, you know, we got to be up front. We got to really lead from the front. Like, I really want us to get out there and share. And he's like, any extra time you have on campus, I think you should be sharing your faith. And guess what I did? I cried. <laughs> I was like, I can't do any more. Like, I was like, I'm doing the best. And, you know, that was really dramatic. And I went out and shared. But... <laughs> It's not this thing that I just wake up like, ah, oh, I can't wait to share my faith today. You know, I sat down to lead a Bible study this past Thursday. Where's Jekka? Hey! Jekka was in that Bible study. Hey! I sat down to that Bible study and I literally had no idea what I was about to do. I was tired. I hadn't slept that great. <laughs> I just was like, I literally opened to Johnny and I was like, okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't always have it together. My family is close and we love each other, but we're not. We're not perfect. We're not spiritual beasts. You know, I wish I could say we were all in the ministry together. But last year, one of my, both of my brothers, one walked away from God and almost disfellowshipped. Um, and it was really hard for me. And thank God the one that was disfellowship has been restored. But that's not, I don't have that perfect family. And believe it or not, God does not answer every single one of my prayers the way that I would like. And a lot of people don't know this, but last year, Jordan and I suffered a miscarriage. And that was really hard. But I prayed, and we prayed for a healthy baby, and 10 weeks later, that didn't happen. And that's, guess what? That's my ordinary life, but here I am, you know? Um, and I think it really, it shook our faith. It shook a lot of things in the way we view God, the way we prayer, the way we view our future. Um, but I, I think one thing that's really cool is that because I'm not perfect and because my life is perfect, it makes the perfection of Jesus that much sweeter. It makes the fact that I get to cling with him and like I'm going to stick with you because you obviously have it together. You obviously know where we're going with this. And if I let you go, then it's just me leading my life. And it's just my ordinary self leading my life. And so Jesus, Jesus is what makes us extraordinary. But I want you to ask yourself, what makes you ordinary? Where does your ordinary show? Are you an introvert and consider yourself completely socially capable? <laughs> is that where you land? Uh, is your family completely broken, seemingly beyond your ability to like even be in the same room? Maybe that's your case. Do you fear the thought of public speaking or just speaking in general? Because that's a thing sometimes. 
Um, or maybe you don't think you know the Bible well enough to help others. It's all these things that make us feel like this is why I can't. And I think if you have those things, that's what makes you perfect to latch yourself onto Jesus because he can really use you. That means you're perfect for God to use. And if you don't believe that you're perfect for God to use, then I worry your faith is, is, is too much into what you can't do and not enough in what God can do. And that, that's why I love all those wills because he's so confident. Like, he's not promising like, oh, if, and I think about my dad. My dad made a lot of promises and 0% of them came true. I'm going to get you a pony and I'm going to take you and teach you to do this. And I, maybe he wanted to, but well, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But God is like, I want to and I have the means to. And so I promise you. I'm, I will do these things with you. And so I feel like it's a good reminder to really be able to latch ourselves on to not ourselves and make our faith not about us, but make our faith about Jesus and what he can do. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to flip over to Paul. And he talks about this concept of treasures and jars of clay in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And I think this passage is a big transfer, like a transferring, where we're like, if I live my life based on what Jesus can do, then I, like my ordinary dies, and I get to live a life full of Christ. You know, it talks about we have this treasure in jars of clay, and I think when we like can really sit and look at our ordinary, whatever makes you ordinary, you, you own it. That's you owning your jar of clay. I know I'm a jar of clay. I love what Naya shared. Thank you so much, Naya, for getting up here and being real and sharing your heart with us. It's amazing. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes we try to pretend we're not jars. We try to pretend we're these vases and these elegant, like I don't even know another word. Like <laughs> we just try to be super amazing, and we're not. Like. You aren't all that. I'm not all that. Like, in the moment you can say you know that, but then you can still experience the goodness of God in your life, that's extraordinary. You know, I think we need to stop pretending that our jars are, like, I don't know, masterpieces in some ways. Like, we're, we have weaknesses. We're ordinary, and that's okay. Because Jesus is the treasure, not you. Jesus is our treasure, not your skill set, not your sin, not your diagnosis, not your temptation, not what you fell in last week. That's not your treasure. Jesus is your treasure, and Jesus is what defines you. Not depression, not anxiety. Like, those might be qualities of our ordinary, but that's, Jesus can still work with that. You know, I, I would encourage you to go out through the scriptures and study people who were, like, introverts. Like, Moses was like, he's like, I, I, I stutter. I, 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 can't talk, I can't talk to Pharaoh. You know, like, he's, like, begging God to choose someone else. You know, there's... Other than Jesus, and even Jesus had his moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, you probably won't find many characters in the Bible who are like, ready. You know, like, no one, no one does that, because that's just really, that's really, really rare. And I think sometimes you have to remember that it's not about us. That our walk with God and, and the idea of being extraordinary is not because of you, it really is because of God. And I think we miss out on those opportunities to experience extraordinary. 
For example, how many of you have been tapped on the shoulder before a service or before an event or the day before to say, hey, can you do this during service? Or hey, can you sing a song? Hey, can you share your story? Hey, who has ever like been asked to help with something kind of last minute where you were like, I'm not ready. Raise them high. Let's go. Let's raise them high. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us. Those are opportunities where we get to say, you know what? I'm not ready, but God is. You know? And I think sometimes we um, I think sometimes like when that op- that opportunity arises, we go, oh, but I, and we have our, you know, we fill our sentence, but I can't do the guy, you know. Some of that might be true, maybe you can't, but I think we should stop saying that if we're not going to finish the statement with, but God. Like, I can't do this, and I'm scared in front of people, and I don't do well, and I da 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 and you know, do your whole little emotional rant, that's fine. But then finish with like, but God. Okay, let me, let me try. I think we really miss out on these training opportunities. And I don't mean training for the ministry. I mean training your character. What are you going to do when you have a full-time job and your boss is like, oh, tomorrow I need you to do this presentation. You're like, I quit. <laughs> you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, we have to learn how to do things that make us afraid. We have to learn how to get out of our comfort zone. And I think sometimes I really worry, guys, if I'm really honest. I worry about the future of God's church. I worry that there's a lot of girls in this room who have amazing potential, and that's not just some of you, it's all of you, because God said that. And I think because you're afraid, and you're so convinced of what you can't do, you won't share your faith, you won't become a disciple, you won't give up your sin, you won't break up with that boy because you think he's the only hope you ever have. And we're missing out on an extraordinary life because we're so focused on what we can't do. I love that Tiffany was able to come up here and say, you know what, I'm from Miami, and I love the beach, and I I surf, but I'm moving to Huntsville, Alabama (laughs) to do a one-year challenge because there's a church there that I can serve and I can help. I'm pretty sure she doesn't feel ready. I'm pretty sure she doesn't feel like, okay, I know how to do everything I need to know how to do. She just saw the opportunity and was like, all right, God, I can't, but you can. I think more of us need to make decisions like that where it's not about what you're ready to do. If God opened the door for you, then why say no? You know, why shut that? And I want to look at my girl, Milani. Hey, Milani. <laughs> so Milani's awesome. I love her. So we've been talking a lot this semester about how we, with this semester, we're going to help someone become a Christian. This is our semester. So Milani texted me a couple weeks ago. I was like, I found a girl. Like, she's so this, she's so bad. We connected. She's so cool. I was like, cool, set up the study. I'll be there, blah, blah. It's Thursday. The study starts at 2.30. <laughs> Milani's like, I share this. So it's fine. Um, the study starts at 2.30. At 1.57, I text Milani. I'm like, Milani, you good, right? You ready? So then study, like, let me know if you need anything. I have your back. Milani, real tears. I can't do this. There's no way. And the text is just like, boom, 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 boom. You know, like, and it's not like one full thought, you know, like that chunk text. It's like, I can't do it. Send. Real tears. Send. I'm going to see you done. Send. Real tears, or are you just freaking out? She's like, real tears. <laughs> freaking out. And I was like, okay, it's okay if you cry. Crying's okay. Go in the bathroom. Go pray. Like, let me know. This is like, what was your plan? She's like, well, I was just gonna do da 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 da. I was like, that sounds great. You got it. Real tears. I can't do it. They were like freaking out. At two thirty, guess what Milani does? She leaves the Bible study and she goes. Yourself out of your comfort zone. You gotta get out there and 
stretch yourself, stretch your spiritual muscles. Like, it's not easy just to like, you have these goals, you're like, one day I wanna get there. But then like the opportunity comes to get there and you're like, oh, I can't, I'm sorry. I just, little steps at a time, little steps at a time. And guess what? She's led a second Bible study since then. Killing it and we're just walking through it and it's taking little steps. And I think some, some more of us have to make those decisions where we initiate doing something that, and honestly, it is okay if you cry. I'm serious. Like, you're scared. That's okay. You're human. You're ordinary. You're terrified. Wipe your tears or bring your tears. I don't know. Do what you got to do. And do what God has put on your heart to do. Whether that's have a hard conversation, not because you're the good person or the, the oldest person in the room, but because the spirit puts it on your heart. Like, have that conversation or invite your family out or share your faith in that way. Or for some of us, become a disciple. Like, make that big step and say, you know what? Nothing is more important than my relationship with God. And if I'm not a disciple yet, I'm still just going to be ordinary. And that I don't have anything attached to me to make myself have an extraordinary life. If you cannot forgive yourself, you cannot give yourself the Holy Spirit. You cannot get yourself into heaven. You need Jesus. That's the beauty of it, is that we all need Jesus. You know, we all are desperate for Jesus. And I think we can forget that if we don't own our jars. We don't own the fact that, you know what, I'm not perfect and I'm not ready, um, but here I am. Let's close with Acts chapter 4. Acts 4, we're going to read verse uh, 13. This is our theme scripture. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I think Tom touched on this a little bit last night, but I think you guys gotta really ask yourself, one, have I been with Jesus? Like if there's nothing astonishing about me, there's nothing like amazing without, without having come in contact with Jesus. And where's Evan at? Where's Evan? You know what I mean? Hey, Evan. Evan's standing up. Evan just got baptized about an hour ago. She's at Jordan State, but she's just come in contact with Jesus. You know, she's like really able to say, like, I have been with Jesus. And we have those moments. It's not just at baptism that you have a moment of being with Jesus. You can have that quiet time. You can have that prayer walk. You can have that good conversation where you know, like, wow, Jesus just, like, touched my heart. I want to do something about it. And so I only have one point, and I hope that's okay with you guys. I don't know if you're a point person, but I only have one. <laughs> and my point is that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. I know a lot of us made that good confession at the waters of baptism, Jesus is Lord, but believe it or not, when he says that in the Bible, it's not a question. Yeah. And it's not up to you, whether you're doubtful or emotional or scared. He is Lord. Yeah. That's not up to us to decide. If I'm in my 20s, I'm 18, 19. If I'm 88 years old, I don't have the right to say, hey, God, I don't know if you're capable. I don't know if you can actually take my, my situation. You don't even know. My situation, God, is so unique, so complicated. I'm like, I'm not scared. I'm so scared. Like, you just don't even know. I can't. You know what I mean? Like, you, like that's, that's ridiculous. He says, I am the Lord. You know, I am. And when we say Jesus is Lord, that's us agreeing with him in that statement. That's us saying, you know what? You're right. You are Lord. And because you are Lord, I'm going to attach myself to you so I can live this life. You know, no amount of emotion or weakness or fear on your part changes the fact that God is God. I think we need to seek moments where Jesus can show more than just your ordinary. What are some things that you can think that you can do starting today and really for the rest of your life or culture and in, uh, habits, some habits that you have 
that show, like, you know what, Jesus, you you stand out way more than I do. You know, because even, even in sharing today, it's not like I'm the master speaker person. Sometimes I feel like I'm too goofy, but I'm like, you know what, here I am. You know, <laughs> scripture open, it'll be fine. Um, and in Galatians 4, verse 19, it reminds us that the point of all this is to be made into the likeness of Christ. That is why we become disciples, because we really, really do believe that Jesus is worth not only living for, but being just like. And so there's opportunities that God is trying to give you to say, hey, this is going to make you more like me. We're kind of trying to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So let's take opportunities little by little. When I was, um, Jordan and I were dating, he had this statement, because, you know, he, I feel like he can take bigger jumps than I can sometimes. And so he used to say, prevail in tiny things. Like the, like the smallest thing, be awesome at it. Prevail in tiny things. That was some, one of my little things I used to tell myself. And prayerfully, eight years from now, you'll be in shock of where God has you. Maybe he'll have you in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> Maybe he'll have you on a mission trip abroad. Maybe he'll have you working with a team in the youth ministry, and you're like, how did I get around? How did, how did this happen? You know, you have no idea where God could take you, but if you don't let him latch, if you don't latch yourself to him, you'll never find out. Um, you know, one of the most special ways it, for us to really show Jesus that what he did on the cross was worth it is to live for him. Mm-hmm. And when we choose not to, we tell Satan, hey, you were right. Jesus should have never done that. Mm-hmm. But when we latch ourselves onto Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, you were right. You changed everything. So here I am. Thanks, ladies. to be mad. 